Hi everybody, my name is Tim McGarry. I'm going to be your guest tonight on Music Studio Live. Coming up on this episode of Music Studio Live. Give me a chance and I'll show you. Like, honey, I'm going to go to Atlanta. And she never looks, she goes, don't come back. Oh. So, okay. So Secret Service came to my house. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh. off the road from missing person. So I'm like, all leather. Wow. Still, my makeup's blowing down. And I didn't write with like some big writers. And I'm glad I didn't because I wasn't ready. Give me a chance and I'll show you the way you should be. Rolling. <laughs> Here we go. Hi guys, my name is Dara. I'm a drummer and producer, and I started a podcast with my friend Sarah called Music Studio Live. Together we talk with singer-songwriters and music makers about all things related to music. We hope you enjoy the show, and here we go. Hey guys, this is Music Studio Live, and I'm Sarah Hattica. And I'm Daryl. Nut. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. It was nice. Maybe feel And happy. this is our music singer-songwriter podcast. Yay. And uh, what are we talking about today? Our guest today is Tim McGeary. Here's a magazine cover that he's he was on. He's a handsome fella. He's a good dude. He's been through a lot, and he writes about it, and these songs are really good. Mm -hmm. How can I emphasize that? His songs are really, really awesome. Good. Awesome. That's really awesome. Awesome is yeah, our word. It is. All right. He's good. He's awesome. One, two, three. Really awesome. awesome. Oh. <laughs> We're totally not in sync. Uh, One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, uh, anyway. I, was, I wasn't sure. Okay. Anyway, Tim talks about all kinds of cool stuff. We play a couple songs with him. He's a great dude. He's uh, uh, a prominent member of the Island Hopper Songwriter Festival mm -hmm. that happens here in Southwest Florida every year. And it brings a lot of singer-songwriters and young artists and guys that have written hits in the 90s. Yeah, huge All hits. genres of music. Is that how you say it? Genres of music? Mm -hmm. Sounds so official. Um, is there anything you'd like to talk about? Well, in this little intro, I mean, basically, just speaking of Tim, he is just a very compelling, compelling guy. Um, I, I cried a couple. Times. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. I mean, actually, the interview with him, it was very emotional, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. So, I laugh too, though. Oh yeah, he's funny. He's got quite the stories. <laughs> So. He does. I just thought about one of them, but you'll hear it in the uh, podcast. <laughs> yes, you will. I have a question for you, Sarah. We're both performers. We're both musicians. We both play in our local area and do concerts and stuff. How do you, if you're not in the mood to have an adult beverage, how do you handle when somebody wants to buy you a drink? Because part of our job is to sell alcohol sell in, in a bar room or a restaurant or something or country club. Selling drinks is kind of why they hire music most yeah. of the time. Yeah. How do you handle it? I have my way of handling, but I'm curious how okay. you handle it. Well, it kind of depends on my mood. Okay. So I guess bluntly, I will say, no, thank you. I don't drink. <laughs> well, that's pretty <laughs> Sometimes blunt. I'll say that. That's pretty blunt. It just depends on if I'm just not really in the mood. Other times, you know what I'll do? Hmm. I'll take the drink. And, and I'll just give it to someone else. Yeah, that's I've done that in the past. So as well. I mean, it's probably not, you know, like the the bar probably wouldn't like that necessarily. Well, no, but they're, they're still paying for the drink. It's true. They're yeah, still so getting the patron the sale is still, the yeah. yes. 
So, and you know, sometimes I'll just take it and I'll turn around and walk back to get my right, or get right if you're on stage, you get something. right back to the next song. Right, exactly. Just set it to the side. Yep. Give it to one of the guys. So yeah, I mean, I'll. Yeah. There's been a, a few times where if it's like a house gig situation or a place that you play a lot, mm-hmm. and if you don't feel like getting bombed on the gig because a yeah. lot of people buy you drinks, um, I would pretend I would have them pour water. Yes, if you talk to the bartender first. The bartender would know me. Yep. Uh, Her name was Andrea, I remember. And she would always just send, she knew to send me water and she knew which one to give to me. Yep. And, uh, and, and I pound it. Um, it's water. I can pound that oh, all day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the person that buys you the drink, they feel great. They helped the band. They were part of the situation. Yep. And, and, uh, and, and I could finish, better. and I could finish the <laughs> night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was just curious about uh, that. We haven't re- ever really talked about that. Um, yeah. And that's something that musicians have to deal with if they don't feel like getting bombed on a gig. Right. Exactly. Well, I definitely had my fair share of that. So, which is why I'm very careful. (laughs) Well, I'm very careful now to just not let that happen. Now, if any of our fans or patrons out there want to send up maybe pizza or chicken wings to the stage. That's awesome. I will go on break. I love them hot, spicy. And then we might have to have an episode on overeating. (laughs) Oh, whatever. That doesn't exist. Come on. All right. (laughs) So we hope you enjoy the episode segue and um this is us talking and performing some music with uh tim mcgeary tim mcgeary super awesome guy oh it looks like he's in the middle between us oh and speaking of super awesome you guys would be super awesome if you would subscribe to our podcast yes definitely uh oh it's on youtube for the Mm -hmm. video versions and it's on itunes and podbean podbean and a bunch of other ones they all filter out uh that's the audio version. Yep. So we hope you like it and see you in a few. Peace out. <laughs> Enjoy episode two. <laughs> You're tuned into Music Studio Live. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing this, man. This is awesome. This sounded great today. It was so much fun. The music segment was awesome. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Goosebumps. <laughs> so Tim McGeary is an awesome songwriter. He's been working on the craft for a long, long time. Long time. Long mm-hmm. time. Starting in the 70s mm-hmm. in the punk rock genre, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Tell us about the 70s. Yeah, why is that funny? In CBGB's in San Francisco. Yeah, um, the... Uh, well, San Francisco, we was out there. I was going to the School of Recording Arts, and it was really cool. And that's when you're still using tape. And um, the uh, the one guy, the teacher has that. He goes, when I first started recording, they used to send me out to the Beehive and get the wax. I'm like, wow. wow. It's way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And, but it, and he was really good, and he did a lot of orchestra stuff around the world, like, you know, um, like in Europe and stuff. Cool. So uh, we were playing, and there was a girl named, there was two guys, uh, Keith and, uh, and and Lane and uh, they had a, this girl uh, Mary Monday, and it was funny because like you know she in this like leather garb and she had this like group of transvestites that would follow her everywhere. So there was like I have that too. <laughs> That's know. crazy. No, but I'm saying, but it's funny because, but these weren't like good looking transvestites. <laughs> these were like, were you a halfback one time, and you have blue cut, you know, <laughs> manly. Wow. So you know. 
you should try to get that razor stubble off before you go out. Nah. So, <laughs> so uh, but it was funny. So we, that was, that was actually my first recording record. It was called Mary Monday and the Bitches. I was one of the bitches. And uh, we uh, did a song called uh, Gave My Punk Jacket to Ricky and Joey's Got a Pop Gun. <laughs> Joey's got a pop. I heard that song actually. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, it's really good. It was really funny. And I was reading some of the comments on that YouTube. are recent. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one one comment was, um, uh, Mary, Mary, what's her name? Mary. Mary Monday. Mary, Mary Monday. Monday. The guy's watching. He goes, "I love this video," and that's my friend's mom. Ah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I was wondering what happened to her. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to get a hold of her. It would be funny to see, you know, to see what she's doing now and stuff. That's awesome. You should. Yeah. So it was great. So then. Then I came back, um, and we started a band called Neighbors and Allies, and uh, we did a lot of stuff with. Um, uh, we used to open up with the Blow the Sparrows. Like we, there's a place in Philly called the Hot Club, and we used to, and that was like sort of like the CBGBs of Philly. And then so uh, Bloodless Pharaohs, the guitar player was Brian Setzer from the Straight Cats. Oh wow! Oh, so cool. When we did the when we did the Philly Hot Club, we would be the opening. I mean the uh, the headline band. When we played New cool. York with them, we would be the opener band. Yeah, oh, so, cool. oh, interesting. Yeah, in fact, when uh, he went over to. Uh, the day, the day he decided to go to do the Stray Cats, you know, he said, he we had a long talk, you know, I said, hey, man, do you think I should you know, do the Stray? And I go, yeah, this guy was amazing. Like, my favorite Brian Zetzer story, he broke an E string, right, on his high E string on his guitar, and he's, and he's like, I broke an E string. So we used to help each other. So I run to get the guitar case. I get this E string, I slide it up, he <laughs> takes it, and his lead's coming up, tune it up, tune Right in. I mean, it was like, wow. dude, it was Perfect like, timing. It, was like it was unbelievable. Like, you never missed a beat, you know? And wow. I never forget it. So, like, he was really, and really nice people and phenomenal guitar so player. So, Joey Shotgun. Oh, it's yeah. one of your, your songs, and I have it here. Oh, I'm going to play it. And I'll put it on the screen. <laughs> yes. And this is awesome because this. this is you on bass. This is me on bass. Yeah. We, right in the beginning. Totally serious. Totally serious. Well, that's the whole the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, the show. Yeah. And then when you start dancing, I get so oh, happy. It is amazing. <laughs> My friends all laugh. They go, "Nice moves, Timmy." <laughs> but the one I, the one I like, that's, that's a there sixty-four piece P bass. Oh, I, wow! Oh, I want to kill myself for selling that. There thing. you go, man. Yeah, there it goes. You're wearing a onesie too, aren't you? No, it's oh. a actually like a lab coat that was yeah. di- that dyed uh, like a blue. So is Brian Setzer in this? No, oh. no, 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 no. This is a. Uh, no, this, this is Neighbors and Allies. Oh, right, right, right. This is the one. I have a great Bowie story with this band. Oh, I want to hear the Bowie story. Okay, so. Stop that. So we used to. Uh, Who is we, this Bowie you talk of? That's Big Dave Bowie. Oh, David, David Bowie, yes. And <laughs> I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was um, we used to roadie for a guy named Richard Hill and the Voidoids. And uh, we asked Richard, said, listen, if we can open up for you, they used to have a thing on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night at CBGB's. If we can open up for you, we'll, we'll roadie for free and you can take the whole door. Oh. So Richard Hell, Blondie, and Talking Heads, they all sort of came up together. They were all friends. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday night, we opened up, you know, and Richard, we came back, which is like, you guys are good. What the hell? <laughs> like, like, his band's like, we're getting nervous now. But he was, you know, he had his following. So, um, but Jimmy Destry was there from Blondie, and he was working with uh, Bowie on the Lodger record. So on Friday night, um, we finished our set, and uh, we had a friend, this guy that was a roadie uh, from Scotland from another band called Magazine, and he said, hey, boys, he goes, I'll do the roadie for you because David Bowie's out there and he wants to meet you. Wow. And, of course, we're like, wow. we're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we're what, like, what oh, my phase, God. What phase of Bowie was this? Huh? This is the Lodger record. Oh, okay. 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 So, um, so sat down. Just, just an awesome, you talk to this guy, and he's the kind of guy that, like, very introspective, like, sure. the kind of, like, he's like, 
he's looking into my soul, you know. What I mean? <laughs> right. You know, but not not me. You know, just like because he he just very intense in a way, but in a soft, kind way too. But the cool thing was, so at the end of the night, he left and um, he asked the doorman. He goes, "What is the, the opening band getting paid?" And he goes, "Oh, they're not." And he goes, "Oh yeah, they are." And he took money out of his pocket and made sure that we had wow. money paid us. That's a great that's story. Awesome. That's not cool. Yeah, he was, and that's the kind of person he was. And I met people wow. that worked with him, and they said that you know. Like in the glass pirate store, um, it's one of the tour managers, uh, and he said that he would go in at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and David had already been there for an hour, and at like 10 o'clock at night, and just working on the show, getting wow. everything perfect. So he just, you know, he was a hard worker. Was that hmm. a model for you? Because you were way early for the podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I learned that, that from David Bowie. I and learned. I was way late. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, we've had some really great experiences, and then... Um, and then when that band broke up, we had a couple. Um, I got in a band called the uh, the Rescue, and that was we were on A yeah. M Records. That was more of an eighties sound. Eighties, yeah, eighty three, eighty four, because um, it was the late seventies. We were in the uh, Neighbors and Allies, mm -hmm. and then we did. We they sent us, and we go like, well, you know, because of the dollar and pound thing, we're gonna have to we're gonna go to England and do the recording. Oh damn, really, England? <laughs> You're going to fly me to England? I was like, you know, I'm from Jersey. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, so awesome. It's like, it's your dream as a kid, you know? Yeah. Really. So we, we uh, uh, yes, it just finished the owner of the Lonely Heart record. Oh. The day they left, the day we walked in. Wow. So it was cool. It was Sarmist. That was really cool. And uh, cool studio. And uh, I was introduced to beers, uh, bitters, which, mm -hmm. okay. Sorry, my English friends, but bitters are... <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I we like for the regular beer, but it was so great. And then we Tony Mansfield, the guy that did like Naked Eyes, you know, always there. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's the guy that produced it. So so it's got it's and it has and then we had like it was weird because we'd have pockets like Hawaii, you know. We love messages. We did about two years of straight touring, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, I, have, I have another funny story. I don't know how much we can get with this one, but keep talking. I, no, I haven't okay. even got to any questions yet. <laughs> so the, the only thing I do notice is I can hear the air conditioner behind us big time. time. Can can one of our friendly people, camera people, help with that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had this. The fr one of the guys that we were, we had a, this guy made this like touring van. It was like a mini tour bus, and he made it out of like a like a regular like an. Uh, uh, rental van right so he had t he had two bunks and two captains uh, five captains chairs and stuff like that cool the only problem is that this year the the way they had the, the double they had double uh, wheels in the back mm -hmm. it would shear the lug nuts off and the tires would fall off oh no it happened twice it's, uh, uh, so the second time so we're we had to go to atlanta we were playing the 669 club that was like sort of like the cool place back then and we had guys from a&m records from england and la flying in to see us because they some of them hadn't seen the act yet so we had to get down there, and on the way in, like in, uh, as like North or South Carolina, I can't which went one, but we had to get there, and the tires fell off. So, uh, so oh, this guy comes oh in, Cherry, and he's like, he's like, he goes, well, I can't, you know, we can't get the part for two days. So he takes me into town, and we had just got off the road from missing persons. So I'm like in all leather, wow. still my makeup's flowing down, right? And I get wow. into this this little town that's like about maybe about twenty, maybe twenty buildings all tops, and there's a van outside. So I go, hey, who owns that van? This guy goes, I do. What's your name, brother? He goes, I Orville. I go, I go. I tell you what. He says, if you drive us to Atlanta, I'll give you two hundred dollars cash. I'll pay for the gas and I'll give you a hotel and I'll feed you. Wow. You know what I mean? So he's like, well, I gotta go ask my wife. So we go to his house and he's got this like four hundred pound wife sitting in front of the TV. <laughs> she's like, and she's like, honey, I'm going to go to Atlanta. And she never looks. She goes, don't come back. Oh. Right? So, okay. So. <laughs> 
this gets to be a crazy story too. You learned that from Bowie too. Oh yeah, so to pay for the room. So oh yeah, so so we get we get to Atlanta, and then I knew this guy never going out of town because we got to the. He goes like, "Look at that hotel," and I go, "Yeah, that's a red roof, bro. It's like it's four story. It's it's not that big a deal, but okay, great." So so we so we do the show. And these strippers who like the band, you know what I mean? Right. You know, right. So, so I'm like, well, I'm married. I ain't doing anything. But I got this friend, Orville. Oh, no. So we got man. this guy drinking beer, <laughs> smoking weed, you know. And we get these. I go, do So oh, these girls man. come in, do the dance in the room. This guy comes back. <laughs> that was the best time I've had <laughs> my life. Damn. Just call me. You don't got to pay me. <laughs> and I'm sure 20, 30 years later, this guy's still telling that story to his friends. Like, you should have seen them boys. They took care of me. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and he's uh, not married to that lady anymore. I don't know. He probably <laughs> still is. But, you know, but this guy had never gone more than 10 miles out of town his whole life. Yeah. Wow. You know, maybe hunting or fishing. That was wow. it. But, yeah. So, yeah, I never forget the story. It was so funny. And, you know, they did. So, you got to watch Terry Bozio play drums. Yes, multiple nights. They he liked they liked he our we, we we did twice two tours with them you know two short tours because wow. they, they, they were, it was just a good thing when we came up uh, we were like a good enough band to get the crowd going and then they just took it to the next level yeah you know? and uh, but he like the first time he had all Rotosons uh, Rotosound and hot R- and Rotatoms Toms yeah. and they were hot dotted and he had like two cymbals like two like two rides and, like two crashes and he get this thing with this double bass and we go. <laughs> Yep, and, and did he like, stand up when he stood up? On the it was base? so <laughs> fast. It was like, but but every day he came out of his bus, he had a pad and a rudiment pad and his practice sticks. Wow. Yep. Every day yep. he practiced. The people that get to that level, that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing, you know, and nicest guy. I mean, like, one time I was like, we had got some bad food and stuff, and I was like, and I we had to go on so I, I threw up I washed my mouth oh, out no. I went and did like did our set <laughs> had to go and, I, and I ran out the thing I threw my guitar on the road and it went out Terry's walking up because Tim you okay I'm like oh man it's like Terry go away man it's like, no, it's not good <laughs> so, I don't but, want you to see me like yeah, this. Like, yeah. but uh, you know and all the guys in that band were from like Frank Zappa's band yeah. the bass oh, yeah. player cool. you know and the Guerrero and like, all those guys so I mean they were really the best of the best but, and it was funny because they were playing like simple like eighth note pops yeah 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 like well they're making money yeah making money I'm sure they're looking like this is the you know but yeah, so it was it. But I was great. They were great to play with. Um, we had a great time. We we were managed by um, E.G. Music, and they had Roxy Music and uh, King Crimson at the wow. time. So hmm. um, that was really cool. You know, we got to meet those guys. And um, Sarah, do you even know who they are? Uh, Be honest. I mean, Roxy I've heard Music. of them, but I yeah. couldn't tell you anything that. Avalon. Roxy well, Music. King, King Crimson was. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bruford, right? Well, Bruford was from, he was like with Yes, but he went, I think he went, and he the, went, yeah. he went a little bit. Well, yeah. a lot of drummers play with King Crimson. Yeah. I, I know drummers. How old sorry. was I at the time? One? Uh, maybe. My, Not. Well, well, actually, my first concert, I was 13 years old. I was out in California with my cousins. We were at a wedding. And they go, hey, there's some bands playing down the street. And I go, oh, well, yeah, cool. So I'm thinking local bands, Yeah. right, you know? No, no, it's Newport 69. Oh. I go there, grassroots come on, The Who played. And oh then, and, and then I'm watching these like amplifiers. One, two, three, four, five, six. Jimi Hendrix comes out. I was gonna no. say, Hendrix. yeah, it's like, and he comes out, and he's like, I really, I know, I'm really sorry, I really messed up. 
last Friday, but I'm going to make it up. So he's playing. Eric Burden comes out. And that's right. When he busted out was 69, I think. Yeah. Oh, and he's... Because you know, he, he was... Well, like I was a... I was really a, dr- I was really a drummer. Huh. So, of course, like, really? you know... Yeah, I was like, mm, fire. I'll let you fire. I mean, come on. I was like... Uh, like, it used to be Wipeout, and then all of a sudden, Mitch Mitchell came on the scene. Yeah. There was no more Wipeout. <laughs> no, it's all Mitch Mitchell wow. now. So that's how I started. And the reason I started bass, because... <laughs> That old band, there's a, a band I was in. I was gonna play drums, and they didn't need a bass. They didn't need a drummer. So I said, and I was playing sort of acoustic guitar. And they go, "You play bass?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> do. Would you have one?" Yeah. So my <laughs> friend's grandfather won a guitar at Palisades Park Amusement Park for darts and a balloon. Wow, awesome. that's a great right? dart okay. balloon gift. So we so we take so we take a hacksaw, hack off because it made it for. <laughs> Put bass strings on it, no. <laughs> and I had a bass guitar. Man, I that was would it. love to wow. see a picture. Oh, a like, picture of that would be awesome. I, I, I wish I had a picture of that. And then, and then you know we did more. And his, but his brother was a, uh, a professional bass player. You know, played with the guys like from uh, um, oh, I can't think right now, like Tower Power kind of stuff like that. Oh, you know, cool. yeah, really good. Bobby Piazza. So the Bay Area. And he, cool. and he was like a fa- uh, like a fu- you know like the first fuzz bass. Mm-hmm. You know that was his you know his thing. But yeah, he's really good. And I had a. He had his, uh, I let, he get, let me use his uh, old Sun amp, little bass amp. You know, you turn the thing over and, you know, the amp yeah, comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Well, the, the funny thing about Fuzz Bass that you just said, the new, the theme song for for our show here, I played my mom's bass and put a distortion on it. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm addicted to that sound now. It's awesome. It's, yeah, so it's, it's fun. So that's how I started playing. And then, uh, so we go. And then, yeah, it was, I mean, I've had a great turn. And then... Um, then after like a couple bands, then Neighbors and Alice got back together again. We had something with oh. Island Records, but the guy that that gave us like a small like a uh, like a ten thousand dollar thing, like do a demo, advance you know, thing, advance. Yeah. And they had like first right of refusal, and the guy that he was the I guy that, that he did new, new music seminar stuff. He was like the guy that ran it. Then he died of a cocaine heart attack. Oh, oh man! And, every, and like so, when somebody dies, everything dies. Everything's so, gone. Yeah. Now we're not doing just bad blood, you know. So yeah. So mm-hmm. I did a couple and Hollywood years. Hollywood too and is the I, same thing. Yeah, and so I, I was writing like, I'm still writing songs and stuff, but you know, but not doing like I, what I was. Well, in these bands, um, were you writing the songs too? Mm-hmm. Some okay. yeah, the rescue. Yeah. Was it like a group thing or? Well, um, me and, and the rescue was me and Paul McGovern writing the songs. Okay, and then. Um, uh, the Neighbors and Allies uh, was me, Jimmy, and uh, uh, Scott Simon. So yeah. in, it, starting in the 70s, you actually have been established as a songwriter because The Rescue actually, I mean, yeah. that got pretty big. Well, I, I'm not, you know, I mean, we, it's like say in pockets, you know, the people liked it, you know, stuff like that. And Messages, you know, got in a lot of radio stations. Um, we had a single in Tell Me Now was the single in England, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I saw the oh. album online. I'll put yeah. it up on the screen. Oh, yeah. Um, with the the two hits on it yeah. and, and you know well, that was, mm-hmm. it was classic what, 80s album cover well that, well that was that was like we were, we were taking the photo shoot for this and our manager put us on this tour from hell that was like every bad club owner oh. like they were meaner like you know here's in your the dinner. 80s it was tough too here's your pizza and a six pack here's your dinner like you uh. know you do like two months three months of that so we come back like dude really what the heck you know it's like <laughs> and he's like he's ah i'm trying to tough you guys up he goes but stop crying because like in, like in two weeks you're opening for duran duran at brenda burn arena oh, so we wow. went from wow. crap club to twenty five thousand seater like in a week wow. so, so yeah it was, it was, it was and have great. you played in front of that many people by then no that was the wow, first time was so it was like yeah it's just like and it was and it was funny because they a lot of people didn't think we were going to do so well you mm-hmm. know what i mean okay but we pulled it off and we were like you guys we did good like we're like 
well, we do practice a lot, you know, like North Sign Band. I mean, you know, so. Well, um, the rescue stuff, it sounded like synth bass. Was it, were you, was it program uh, bass? Or some was of it, it was. Some of it was a real some bass. Thing. Yeah, like, uh, you know, um, Tell Me Now was a real bass. Uh, you know, um, the talk song. Um, I'm a fan now. I'm going to go back <laughs> and listen to this. I like it. Totally yeah, 80s, it's yeah. really good. And 80s are back now. Maybe you should do some remixes. I, <laughs> I can't find Paul McGovern. Oh, I don't. I don't really? know if he's still alive. I just. I've been looking for him on Facebook. All oh, over, and I yeah, just you can't. Yeah, you have a Facebook. You find anybody. And I can't find him. And it's, but he's from England, so I don't know if he went back. You know, but he was like really good friends with Nick Lowe and stuff. We did some good cool. gigs. It was like the guy. You know, let me think. Well, he did Mike and the Mechanics. Uh, he was the singer in that one. He sang "How Long." The guy sang "How Long." Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And he also did um, um, mm. "Tempted." He "Tempted." Said, yeah. Said, Squeeze. Said, uh, that guy. Well, that he he he, what he the wasn't heck all. Is his he, name? I can't but he, so he was the singer, and it was Nick Lowe, you know. Yeah. Love the sounds of Breaking Glass, that one. Yeah. So we, so we had a gig. It was like Blue Angel, who was... Um, Paul, a, Paul Carrick? No. Paul Carrick was the guy. Paul Carrick. Yeah, he was a singer. I was going wow. through my head like crazy. I know Good this job. guy. I know this yeah. guy. Yeah. Who's um, the one, uh, Girls Want to Have Fun? Cindy Lauper. Yeah, Cindy, Cindy Lauper, yeah. She was the one. She was, she was, she was, the, uh, was us, Cindy Lauper. She was in a band called Blue Angel. And then, and then it was Nick Lowe. Wow. You know what I mean? And it was like, and this Paul, he knew all these guys, you know, like in the, so, you know, back in the day. And Dang. so it was like, so, so we had, we had, a, we had like That's a cool. cool group. Yeah. That's so weird. I, Cause I've worked with you in the studio a couple of years ago. I played uh, drums on your last record. Actually. It was awesome too. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, thank God. It's easy to play drums on good songs. <laughs> Trust me. And it's great to have a great drummer. Just want to say <laughs> the metronome. Thank you. <laughs> um, but. Oh, what was my point? It was right there. <laughs> and you played drums on the latest single coming in. That's right. That's right. That's right. Stardust. Yeah. Stardust. I have drum. figured out when you're playing drums on songs. I recognize you can tell your my drum. drums. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, what was I going to say? We worked together. Oh, when, when we worked together on mm -hmm. uh, the record, I had no idea about all of the '70s and '80s stuff that you did. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I just I'm like, well, here's a country songwriter, and he's good. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you really put your heart into this yeah I mean, I mean, well, you the really thing is working at i mean i literally i tell you when i was five years old i was taking piano lessons and i would do the lesson that she taught me and then i go and i wrote this she goes you wrote this and i go yeah i wrote a song <laughs> so it's, it comes and it's like you know i have i have a lot of um my 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 great-grandfather um clinton pitcher he was like one of the first all women's orchestras in ohio and he was a painter and but he played his violin all the way to his 95 i mean this guy wow. was old when i was five he yeah, goes yeah he saw lincoln He's like, what? yeah. When I was a boy, I saw President Lincoln. I'm like, what? I'm like, man, that's creepy. <laughs> I know that is creepy. Yeah. But it was so cool. And he was, and he was the coolest guy, man. And every day, like he had to put a tie on every day. When he used to paint houses, and then he had a tie on, and he put it overhauls, and he'd do his stuff, and then he was done. His overhauls went off, and he's all dressed. That's wow. old school. Yeah, it's old, old school. school. Old, old school. school. Old Love school. it. But he played his violin all the way to his 90s. A song would come on the radio, and you go right with it, all the way in his 90s. Wow. I have that violin, too. It's awesome. I want to ask Sarah, do you have any questions about the 70s? Because I'd like to move on. There's, You have so much <laughs> life yeah, in there. Yeah, I'm thinking ahead a little bit. So. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Sarah. Well, one of my questions was, actually, you had brought up that he's. you were thinking that he was a country. Yeah, when I... When, because that's how I knew you were a country-based storyteller. Do you right. consider yourself to be a country artist or? No, I'm not a country artist. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't, I don't really think I'm, that I'm you I'm more are. Americana. Like, I'm yeah. sort of like that between Beatles and Petty and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, storytelling. Mm -hmm. But I love, I love country music, the good songs that really tell a story. I mean, 
you know, you listen to some of those Jeffrey Steele songs, like going, you know, like you know, um, like that one, like you know, turn it up. And there's like two verses, and it describes this one guy, like you know, golden tooth, lost his brother in the water. I mean, like, and in eight lines, it is, you can see this person. Mm-hmm. You know his background. You know his. Uh, what he believes in religiously, he knows, you know, where he's going. And that's that's the magic of it, because in a couple lines, you can actually visualize this person in your in your mind. Well, you, right. you do that very well um, in, in your song Miracle. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That was recorded by Cash Creek. I have the lyrics right here. I mean, you, you can say them if you want, but yeah. holy cow. Yeah, that's that, that's a true story, too. That happened. In fact, you know, the, this is, I don't know if people know, but... um. Uh, I lost my 18-year-old son in a car accident, and it was, of course, you know, it was totally devastating. And um, very and devastating. about 10 years later, I mean, 10 uh, days later after the funeral, this single white flower grew, and it hadn't been in our yard. We've been at the house about 10 years. We found out it only actually grows in the swamp. So um, my wife called me up. And we, his name was my son was named Trevor, Trevor, so we call it Trevor's Flower. And a couple of days later, my wife went out, and the original flower closed up, and there was a circle of five white flowers, just like the first one. And uh, we went out, and uh, so she went to call me, and she got to the phone, and the phone rang, and it was the nurse from the organ donation said, I just want to tell you that five people's lives were saved from your son's gift, you know? So, and then, then the flowers went away. We hadn't seen them in 10 years, and it was like 10 <laughs> years to the day to the, it was uh, the day of the accident, it was uh, May 7th, coming mm-hmm. up, was a, and uh, we went out, and that single white flower was there just for a day came back after 10 oh years Oh my later. gosh, that gives me chills. <laughs> so, And it, he wrote a song about it. Yeah, it's Miracles. And the thing, oh my God. And the reason, you know, I wanted to write that song, I wrote with my friend Bruce Miller, the thing, um, that miracles happen every day. People don't want to think they do, and mm-hmm. they really do, you know what I mean? They do. And so I wanted to, you know, show that, that like there's, and it was so beautiful because it wasn't like some giant thing. He said, I love you. I'm going to take five flowers, small white flowers, and you're going to know. That's all it took. You know, so it's like, and sometimes even time I tell the story, the time it sort of chucks you up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's something that you never, you know, you never get over. I mean, there's, there's a song I write real called Hold On. It's like about the day after it happens. And it's like, you know, you just, you know, it's every little thing. Like my wife said, the worst thing was when she went to the grocery store for the first time after he died and all the things that he loved, she passed in the aisle. Jumped right out at her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. But there's joy back, you know what I mean? And we've, we've had a lot of, you know, um, um, some uh, incredible experiences, you know. And uh, Can um, you read this? I, I want the people to hear that that lyric, the story you just told. Uh, where is it? Where, the uh, top the, one. Oh, the miracle, yeah. Miracle. <laughs> Not the three shots of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you do that later. Uh, they buried their son on Saturday. He was barely 18. Um, uh, the next day, one white flower grew, the one they'd never seen. It never should have grown there in a cold and stony soil. But, uh, but they took it for a miracle, a message from their boy. Sometimes we don't know why things happen and happen like they do. Sometimes uh, uh, we cannot find the rhymes or reason hidden in the ruins. Sometimes it's not for us to know. Sometimes the mystery is shown. Sometimes out of rocks and rocky ground, miracles are found, and that's it. Yeah, man. I, I, and that, and I, and I also love the one about you know the uh, first time a blind girl sees her first sunset. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All mean, right. At that, uh, I I need a break. <laughs> um, and uh, we're gonna take a little break uh, from or a word from. I can't even talk. <laughs> we need to take a uh, 
sponsor break right now. We'll be right back with uh, Tim McGeary and I can't even speak. This is Music Studio Live. All right, we're back, everybody. Um, I'm a little happier now. I cleared my eyes a little bit. <laughs> we have a little bit of time, and I want to talk about the songs that we recorded today. Okay, mm -hmm. right. Um, so Stardust, let's start mm -hmm. with that one, and we'll play that one first. Okay. Or, well, I don't know. It depends on where we are in the, right. in the podcast, where we'll play it, but... Well, I wrote that with my uh, two writers, Scott and uh, Donna, Scott Barrier and Donna DePopo. And um, I met them through, uh, I was doing a songwriter round, and they came, they saw me play, and I said, hey, let's write one, and then we and came up with this. And the theme is like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And the thing is like, you know, we, everyone wants to separate us, like, you know, it's the you know, Republicans and, you know, the liberals, and, you know, you're, we really want all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. We want to have a hot meal. We want we have a nice house. We want opportunity. We want health care. You know, I mean, it's like, of course, we want that stuff. Happiness. You know? And and happiness. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and in, in, in be fulfilled. So we're not as far apart as everyone wants to make us out to be. Mm -hmm. So the Stardust thing, you know, just we all come from Stardust. Right. When it comes down to it. That's the basic. Yeah. Building I mean, I mean, that's it. So like, you know, so you can you can do all you want in those separating stuff, but we're all from the same place. You cool, know what man. I mean? so, so, so that's how the song comes in. I really and I totally I totally believe that. I mean, do this traveling stuff we're doing, my wife and I, you know, and uh, the more you see of the world, the more you see. And I did a lot of traveling as a merchant marine, you know, so I went, and mm -hmm. I, I went to places like, you know, Pakistan and India and, you know, and Mogadishu and you know, wow. Ethiopia and Sudan and stuff. That'll and, be the next podcast. We'll talk yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but, um, you know, you, you see that stuff and, you know, the, and the, the world's a great place and there's so many wonderful things that you can see, even though, like, you know, um, you pick out, you know, it's different stuff, but everyone has some beauty, you know, something that they can... We're all the same here. We're all the same. Whether our right. minds have changed Yeah, and we all come mm -hmm. from the same space. We all come from the one source. It's yeah. not like in different sources, you know. I I think, like, you know, the, the, the guy of the universe going, like, what are you doing down there? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> it's me. That's it. Let's cut this stuff. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, let's take a quick break here for uh, another sponsor break, and okay. then uh, we'll play some music, and okay. uh, we'll come back. Be sure and visit our website at musicstudiolive.com. There you'll find all of our social media links. You're tuned in to Music Studio Live.
Tim, I want to talk to you about your upbringing a little bit. Your dad was an FBI agent? He was an FBI agent for 12 years, and, and then he opened what, his own business. Cool. Yeah. What could he tell you about? Has he told uh, you anything about that? Yeah, well, he had, he had a great time. I mean, like, <laughs> they got away with a lot of stuff. Wow. <laughs> mm, funny. This but is 70s? This is way before. Oh, no, 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember he used to take me to the uh, FBI gun range, which when I was a little kid, and like they were using wow. Tommy guns. I was like, oh, that's wow. the coolest thing ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm five. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like you know, the guys are shooting you. Know, and, they, and they had all these, like, uh, they were painted red. They had no, so they didn't have no, um, you know, they were like guns to, to show you how to, like, to clean or whatever you had okay. to do with them. So, of course, like, I got to pick up a real, it was, a, you know, didn't have a firing pin in it or anything like that, but it was like a real gun. A real gun, yeah. I thought it was like, yeah, then. But we never he and we never saw his gun. Oh, never saw it at the house. Wow. You know, but we had like ten kids. I'm the oldest of ten. Oldest of what? Ten. Yes, I have five sisters named Mary. Yes, Mary. I read that. That was. What are Mary, all their names? Mary Colleen, Mary Ann, Mary Joan, Mary Patricia, Mary Catherine. <laughs> and every year they get together, they have the Merry Weekend. <laughs> so awesome. Once a year, yeah. Irish yeah. Catholic, I'm assuming. I, very <laughs> Irish Catholic. <laughs> Timothy, Sean, Brian, yeah. Why? Michael Sean. Were they all named Mary? Well, I think the story I got is my mom had a miscarriage, so she said, Dear Virgin Mary, if I have any more girls, I'll name them Mary. All of them. So, you know, and I... So, and she did. So, I think know. I would take that back. Well, I also had a brother, Kevin, that was killed by a car when I was three and a half. What? Yeah, he was two, and I was three and a half, got run over. And I was, you know, I remember that, you know. You saw it happen? Yeah, yeah. I, my mom, wow. I was, uh, That's terrifying. I remember um, seeing the... Uh, People putting blankets over him and the umbrellas, you know. Um, so that was a this is a little part because I'm 30 years sober and I had a lot of anger issues. And what happened was, when you're three and a half, you don't know how to grieve. 
Right. Right. And uh, what happened is like when so my, when my brother died, he lived like about eight or eight hours later, but he had brain damage and he passed Oof. away. So um, so my parents put me to someone's house and they me and my brother, I remember playing with him in the crib. We do this thing. We like rock the crib. My parents would come in and when they come in, <laughs> pick the slate and they go out. And we Aww. rock, you know, kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> so uh, I remember doing it. And um, so what happened was that when I they, when I came back, they had taken everything of Kevin's out of the house and we never talked about it. Like they'd even put a headstone till my dad's mom died, and they buried her and Kevin together. Yeah, I mean, the oh my goodness! Yeah. So that so, play head games with you. So wow. the thing is, yeah. So I had like you know, where's my brother? And I was three and a half, so I'd been mad, <laughs> and I was always like, yeah. so like, and then I had like you know these like, my mom said the worst this uh, kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Ostergren. <laughs> and she would put these <laughs> coloring, and if I went out the line, she put a big red X on it like that. So. She sits me next to this little girl. She goes, now look how nice she colors. And I spit on her paper. <laughs> so, so my parents knew right then. And know. then you were in a punk rock band and 10 years later. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, all, it, sort of, it all made sense. I mean, all my brothers and sisters are super straight, like, you know, you know, blazers and khaki pants play golf. Oh, you're the black Funny. sheep. And I'm the oldest and the you black sheep. You are the black sheep. I'm the racker, you know, got tattoos. Like, oh, my God. My dad still goes, what's all those tattoos? I go, Dad. I'm 63. If I want to have a tattoo, guess what? <laughs> yeah, I can do not doing it. And by the time, and I had these late, so I said, by the time these look bad, I'll be dead. So it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you're not okay. a black sheep because you're a really awesome guy and very uplifting well, spirit. And Sarah, they must be very proud of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, just to get out of a crack, I was a crack cocaine addict. You know, this wow. is 30, 30 years, ago. years ago. I was like 150 pounds. Well, like congratulations on your sobriety. And the thing is, and. Really, the 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 Aussie getting out was like four out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. So just that's a miracle. Yeah. You know? What was the breaking point for you that actually made it so you realized that you had to make a change? I was going to pawn my wedding ring for a crack, and the guy <sighs> said, "Tim, go home." And so I got suicidal, and uh, wow. I was, and I and I was almost going to run my car into a, a bridge, you know, like a an, you know, and. Uh, this voice says, no, Tim, get help. I think wow. it's my brother Kevin. He, my brother Kevin's been around me the whole time. Wow. I've, I've had psych, like one time I'm playing a gig and this lady goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have a this tall blonde kid that keeps on dancing around you when you're playing. Kevin's always been there. You know, wow. you know what I, mean? and, I just uh, got to chill. I yeah, I love <laughs> stories like this. Yes. If you have any more, please Oh, we me. have a lot of them, yeah. Well, oh. I mean, basically what happened, I'll tell you what happened. This is because you're you were going to talk about like how do you get over the situation, right? And, you know that, and um, being a paramedic, and I was a flight medic, so I had a lot of terrible accidents, you know. And I, and I really have this thing that you know when your time's up, your time's up, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And sometimes you actually it's it's preordained before you come down. But um, we had a friend of ours. I would I had uh, taken this kid that was shot in the chest um, um, on the helicopter, and he he passed away. He was a three you know, three. three 387 to the chest you're 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 not gonna you're you're not gonna make it so um but um she there's a lady who's a medium and this lady is like she never charges money it's just a gift so uh, it was about 10 days later and we were like you know we i mean look we were i was a mess and um i was on the the uh, massage table because i was i was getting massaged then for this back thing and uh uh, the lady said, you know, Tim, she goes, you haven't cried. Because I was doing all the man things like, you know, the, mm-hmm. organ, do- you know, the organ donation, the funeral home and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't and you didn't really process it all the way. Right. And sure. so, she, so she goes, let it go. So, of course, for the whole hour, I wept on the t- you know, the whole time. But I needed to do it. So 
During that time, I'd, this, uh, I'd heard that the, the day, that day before, if my friends are like this friend, that can, you know, she'll call you. So I got home, and, the, and during the thing, I'm saying, Trevor, I said, we are a mess. I mean, we just need to hear, you know, you're there and okay. So I get home, and I wasn't home like 10 seconds, and the phone rings. She goes, okay, this is, I won't say your name, but like, because I don't know if she wants me to on sure. the blog, but she said, it, I don't know what your religious beliefs are. And I said, well, I'm open. So mm-hmm. she said, okay, well, I was going to call you later, but Trevor's here, and he says, I need to talk to you right now. So she said all these things, like, in my, you know, and she says, write, you know, write them down. Did she know Trevor's name? Or? No. No. Wow. She knew nothing. Wow. She, and she, she she thought I was going to call me after five, but she said I because I thought I was working. Mm-hmm. So um, she hangs up, and then she calls right back, and she goes, Trevor knows you don't really believe this. No, I never went to a psychic. I thought it was always baloney. And she goes, but he goes, tell mommy and daddy I'm with the man with the funny hats. Now, Carol's real father wasn't much. He didn't really fit the bell. He didn't even show up. But she had this Uncle Lou that she was very close to, and he was like more like a dad, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and what happened, like, when we first started dating, we got, like, uh, every year, like, we had, like, Christmas or birthday, we'd give him a present and a, and a silly hat. Mm-hmm. And in his kitchen, he had, like, tw- you know, a whole rack of these funny hats. Well, he had died 12 years before that from cancer. Wow. No one knew No that. one would know that. You can't look wow. that up. You know what I mean? So, and she's uh, many other things, too. I mean, you know, so I've given her name to a lot of people. I, I want her name. <laughs> okay. Not, not right now. When yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's really cool. And and the whole thing is, like, and so I've, and, uh, but I've had, like, when I, when I got his uh, box, of a- I got his ashes, right? And I was sitting on the bed, and uh, I, said, I felt this thing go, like, wham to black, wham to black. And, like, and I could see the, I saw the accident, like, the, the van hitting him, and it went right to black. Because I was always saying, like, were you ever in pain? Mm-hmm. And, and, and right after that happened, this person calls me up, she goes, Trevor just showed you the accident, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, wow. He just wanted to make sure that you knew he was never in pain. Van to black. Yeah, I mean, yeah, band. and then when I saw wow. the pictures of the van that hit him, that was in the vision that I got, you know. So then the other thing is, and this is the other one, this is the crazy one. So there was a guy named Panache. This is the crazy one? This is the crazy <laughs> Panache Desai, he had this, like, an all-day seminar. And um, so I went, and so the first, and what, what it was, that you had a discussion, and then you meditated, right? So the first one, you know, he says, the second one was, like, your affirmation's really good, but, like, you have all this, like, say, if, if your cup's three-quarters filled with mud, you can't get anything into it, you know what I mean? So you have to release that, and that's, like, pain, guilt. And I had all this pain from Travis about a year mm-hmm. after it happened. Mm-hmm. And I knew it wasn't good for me or my family or anyone around me right. at work, so I needed to, and I wanted to get rid of it. So so we started doing the meditation, and he walked over, and he put his hand on my stomach, my head, and then over my heart chakra, and as soon as that, I whipped. Like, somebody took a cork out of the bottle, and I wept like a baby, like, from the bottom of my soul, like, from my brother. Mm-hmm. and my wow. son he, then he took his hand off I stopped put his hand on my stomach my head again over my heart again I started weeping so then he walked away and I got this vision of this person and this is this is the crazy part now so this person is I tell you long black hair huge beard um, in his jeweled robe with his hat to sort of match and, and, and in the front there was like all these like shadows of people like this is, they wanted to be there at this point but I wasn't supposed to focus on them, supposed mm-hmm. to focus on him. Mm-hmm. And this whole time I was saying, I want to release my pain. And I could, And this is like a long vision. And as he, st- he started stepping forward, getting closer to me, and his hand reached out and touched my forehead, and I could feel it, and all the pain that I had for my son was gone. Wow. And it, was, it was like 
you know, so I told someone that goes like, you're an older soul. <laughs> You've been around here before because you don't get that. Much. So I go, well, I don't know. I said, and I, so, I mean, and those, and all those things and, and other things of, you know, Trevor coming in and like one time we were, we were going because he died just before he graduated. And so they didn't have anything in the yearbook. So the next year they wanted to put something in the yearbook. Mm -hmm. So my wife, so we got to the front door of the school and my wife started to break down. And this lady called, he goes like, I don't know where you guys are. But, and I was you know, but Trevor like said, I needed to call you right now just to make sure that it's going to be okay. Mom. Wow. He tells his mom. So, I mean, we've had so many like. <laughs> I'm blown away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I want to hug you right now. It's so been bad. really hard to keep it together right yeah. now. I'm, so the thing yeah. is, I mean, I, so we've been, but so, and the thing, the joy is it does take time. I mean, there's no two ways mm -hmm. about it, you know, I mean, and that's the worst thing we say to somebody. Like people go like, what can you say to somebody? To just say, I'm with you. Whatever you need, I'm there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you can't say, time here is all I want. You don't want to hear it. You don't no, want to hear it. You, 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 you don't want to hear anything. stop that. You need to change your ways. You know, yeah, that, yeah, that no, doesn't help anything. Not that. You know, I mean, one lady came to my wife. She goes like, well, at least you have two daughters left. What? Yeah, she's wow. like, like. <laughs> Did you write a song about that lady? No, it, it wouldn't be nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but but the thing is, like, you know, we've, we've you know, my wife and I, and when through my drug addiction, we were we're still married. You know what I mean. And uh, I mean, I have, have awesome. met this awesome woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I met her one time. The whole way I met her, I was my friend used to work at this restaurant when he was a kid, and it was Mother's Day, and the, the, one of the cooks called out. So the, the owner knew him and just said, "Do you know anybody who cooks?" And I used to cook. I said, "I could do broiler stick, whatever you want." And he goes, "I need somebody to do the broiler." And I came in, and she was waiting table. So I worked there one day. Wow. And she was there, and then so we'd never been apart. And so, if there, you know, it'll be uh, 38 years this year of November. Oh my! Congratulations! <laughs> awesome. Wow! Yeah. So and so and we sort of figured out that, you know, um, if we stick close to each other, like no matter what happens, we can get through it mm -hmm. together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think you know we've been through a lot of stuff. You know, because my daughters had a really hard time, and they went through some really tough situations with us. And you know, they're, now they're, they're on the other end of that. We have start, two daughters. Yes, two daughters. Okay. 35 and 36. And. Um, they're saying like you know god gives you anything you can handle dude i'm really not that strong i need a break come on mm -hmm. i mean like yeah, but you are it. that strong well yeah i guess i am you, you are know, now i mean yeah i mean i i yeah on that I mean, side I, of it i'm on that side of it so you know now it's so now i'm you know retired as a firefighter paramedic you know i was up at ground zero um I did want to talk to you about that. Yeah. I, we're, this is going to be a three-part <laughs> podcast, I think. <laughs> so uh, I was at the DMAT team. Um, we did two two missions. One is the, was the, was the Ground Zero 9-11, and then we worked for the uh, Katrina victims. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, but the 9-11 the was the one because, you know, we were in New Jersey, and I, you know, I worked in New York. My dad is off us on 42nd. So that's Lex. before you were down here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. I was down here, but I was. But you, I was because a you were from Jersey, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, my dad, when he he left the FBI and started one of the first dental clinics with this doctor, and so they got all these unions, and they made they, it was a great story, and they made a lot of money, and it was mm -hmm. you know it was fun. But um, so what happened was like so we you know we go to Chinatown all the time. We took our kids to top of the world trade centers, you know, and that was as we went. And um, so when that happened, so it was part of this thing called the the DMAT, which is the Disaster uh, Medical Assistance Team which is the federal thing, and they it's like a mass unit. We have, like, doctors, pharmacy, everything. And we just went up and set up a tent, and um, you know, right on ground zero. Wow. But I remember the first day we walked in, and they, they get a little debriefing, and they say, listen, when you see this, it's going to sort of blow your mind mm -hmm. you know, when you see it. So we, we get there, and it's all these scene lights. It looked like a movie set, End of the World. Wow. And then there's, like, these little um, three-pronged uh, machines that were picking up steel, you know, 
and it was there was like six of them on the pile and, and it's like they were like the way they were going around it was like a ballet almost it was like they were just <laughs> missing each other picking stuff up and uh and then like you know you see uh i mean just the destruction like that and then they'd have a uh, there was a the one that used to kill you it made me cry every time they had an engine that was um, badly damaged but the air horn worked so when they found a piece of one of the firefighters the, that hair horn would go off. You know, they found something. Mm, and wow. then the guys from his house would go get that remains. And it was just like, wow. is it, is, oh you know, just gosh. tore you up. And then we did the Katrina one where we came out. And uh, and I always say this when I play out live because, you know, there's so much negative stuff. But so many people on the way there to Katrina, and we were there, so many random acts of kindness, mm-hmm. like one after the other. Like, the funny story, we were like... Um, between Louisiana and Texas, and there was this like this place, and it was like it was a weird place. It had a gambling hall, hotel, gas station, restaurant. Mm-hmm. It, was just, it was like everything. But across the street was this, this, I guess, a bar, and it was like the whole thing of like roosters. And I, and it was a truck driver, and I go, I go, do they do like cockfighting there or something? And he goes, no, but that Tim, that place is a real bad place. He goes, when you go in there, they ask if you got a knife or a gun. If you don't have one, they give you one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, but what happened? There was a there was a chemical spill on Route 10, and we we have they they directed us to go to um, San Antonio and Kelly Air Force Base because they flew 5,000 people there, mm. and uh, the, our our job was to take care of the 5,000 because we had a lot of people like you know so we had a I gave like 5,000 Hep A shots. People hated me, and then tetanus yeah. shots next. Ow, wow. Ow. Yeah. So um, but it was you know but it was great to be part of something that helped people you know and that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. the thing with I went with paramedic when I when I got that job because. When I first came down here, I had a company, and the company went bust, and I bankrupted myself, lost everything we owned, our house and everything, my car. Wow. I remember you telling me yeah. about that. <laughs> what kind of company was it? Oh, it, it's sort of a complicated. This is back in, when you were doing mail order and, and visa cards. They, okay. They weren't compatible back then, not though they are today. <laughs> so uh, so it was, we, we sort of fixed, we had to try to fix that problem, but it didn't, it backfired and got really, yeah. So Secret Service came to my house. I was like, yeah, I thought I was like, oh. But, we, but everything I did was, it was above board. I, there was yeah. no trickery. There was no, like, I just, every, I had all the paperwork, you know, and everything was signed. And yeah. So it was, there was no problems. But what happened, so um, uh, I was, uh, I had to work two jobs. I worked the, the first watch, and I was like, and so I'd do a breakfast in the morning. So I'd get up wow. like 4.30 in the morning, ride my bike, do that, come home, shower. My wife would go to, That's really to her job. That's really bottom, ride that your is. bike. Oh, yeah, and then I rode my bike to sports page. <laughs> You know, the, oh. at nighttime because pizzas from six. Yeah, yeah we turn to Stevie Tomatoes, Weekend Willies, whatever it's going to be. I don't know what it is today. So it was sports page back then, and, I, oh, and I, so I cooked pizzas yeah. from six to one. So I didn't sleep, you know. Wow. But I had a wife and kids. I need you had to have money. You, you know, my, I was always wow. taught like you're Absolutely. the man. You you got to provide. How old some. were your kids at this point? They were young, probably uh, ten. You know, oh. ten, twelve, like that. So, and uh, Trevor was like he was like five, I think, by that time. So. And but one of the girls, the waitress, was going to EMT school, and I went, "Hmm, best job ever." I mean, I loved it. You know, I know a couple. But, yeah, and yeah. it was. It, but it's like the thing is, you do, you help people for a living, mm-hmm. right? And the retirement is kicking. <laughs> so yeah. So out of eight thousand people between Kyre and Lee of, of county employees, I was the number one person in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, they had this thing Making in the that paper. Money. They had the, they had the pa- that thing in the paper, and they go, "Oh yeah, they got list everyone's name overtime. Let me see." Oh wow. God, like, <laughs> I'm number one. Hey, Dad, like, uh, I'm number one. It's like, all right, you finally did something. Oh, great. No, no, so, <laughs> so, so, 
But you know, I, I tell my wife, I said, uh, you know, it, go, it went somewhere, it goes in your retirement. So I said, like, I'm just going to hard time it. So even, and, that's, and this is even me going to Nashville like four or five times a year for two wow. weeks at a shot, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when I started. What I did is up there, I I I I written some songs and I sent this friend, this, my friend Mike, because we become really good friends. So back then he was a you know publisher, and so I sent him some songs and he wasn't too impressed, you know. <laughs> so I was just in Nashville. We had done a, something in that we. <laughs> The name of my band back then was Wonderful Johnson. Wonderful Johnson. I did and we some had work for and we had and we had a gig with hmm. yeah you it's artwork for you yeah for the twelve CD, and we then we had a gig with and it was us and Weekend and Wet Willie Wet Willie and Wonderful, and Wonderful Johnson, Johnson same bill, I mean oh yeah wow, wow. I'm like That's how do we put that together yeah, so uh, I go to Mike's office and I said uh, hey listen I'm in town in Nashville and I said can I play uh, can I come in just see and he goes you, can, you got ten minutes so. He said, I came in, he goes, get a guitar off the writer's room wall, play me one verse, one chorus, or one song, go. And I played, and he liked it. Let me hear something else. I played, go, okay. Awesome. He goes, he goes, he goes uh, you got potential, but uh, you got a lot to learn. So he goes, he goes uh, so you got to start co-writing. You go, co-writing? He goes, yeah, like with other people. You know, like, I don't want to give them uh, part of my he song. He goes, I know. Well, I, that's I know, hard. I know. I'm a songwriter. Exactly. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you go to Nashville, all of a sudden, you get schooled. You yeah. know what I mean, and mm-hmm. uh, so I've been very fortunate um, with some some comments with my that friend. That makes a lot of people leave Nashville. Yes, right away. Well, it's it's tough. I mean, you got twenty thousand songwriters all vying for like two thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and then I've met like Gary Hannon was become a friend of mine, and mm-hmm. he got me a lot of opportunities because I was on stage with, like Daryl Worley and Billy Dean and Richie McDonald. You know, it was like us three on stage. So like I'm next to the guys, and of course like, you know, Richie would sing, and then goes Tim, now you get to sing. After Virginia McDonald, <laughs> you know, and of course Billy Dean, and you know, and he was a really nice guy. So, but like you say, those guys are really the guys that are good are always nice. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, so I got, and then I got a couple opportunities on the Island Hopper Festival. You know, I got mm-hmm. on that, and I, you know, again, I got to do some stuff with Win Varble and. Uh, uh, Phil O'Donnell. I was going to say you wrote with Phil, right? Or, I I'm, I wrote with Phil, but he knows you. I, I was. <laughs> I moved to Florida. To be in a band with Phil, right, right, yeah, O'Donnell. yeah. They call yeah. him Phil Billy. Phil Billy, yeah. He's written and some really awesome songs, big songs too. Yeah, big, yeah, big songs. money. Great, yeah. great. What are some of the songs? Country can you say? guy. Well, he wrote um, uh, "What Do You Do When I'm Not Looking." That one, mm-hmm. right? Um, he wrote like uh, back when I was, you know, when I knew it all did, with, with did, him and Gary Hanna. Yeah, did Gary write uh, "Tequila, Tequila Mixer Close, Close Ball Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and like, that's Joe Nichols. Joe Nichols. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I opened yeah. for him. Oh, actually, that's one funny. Time, yeah. yeah, there you go. One more thing about Daryl Worley. Yes, I don't know if you know this, but my brother that passed away a couple years ago was Daryl Worley's drummer. Oh, really? During wow. during nine eleven, they played uh, the White House. Oh, wow! He wrote a song. Uh, uh, what was Daryl's big hit? If you free, don't forget. Uh, uh, no, uh, I'm drawing a blank on it now. Uh, it was a big, huge American anthem at the yeah. time because of 9-11. It's, it's forget something about... Uh, but when Varble wrote that one. Oh, okay. Well, there when Varble was that, yeah. You know. So, so that, uh, that's an interesting... Yeah. I forgot your door, Daryl Worley. Yeah. Um, We've got, he's got some fun, we have some funny footage on YouTube with that, too, with that Probably Saltwater Cowboy know. song. Uh, yeah, so, it's like, <laughs> like yes. Yeah, so I, I go square grouper, you know. People smoke it, and he goes, "I tried that with my turkey, but I couldn't get it lit." So I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, <laughs> he's very. He's actually super smart. Like he got MCATs. He could have been a doctor. Wow. And he was like really smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's not. Yeah. And, so you're tied in with some some good Nashville songwriters. It's taking me a well. while. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, it's it's a ten year town. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, uh, what I'm trying to do is be consistent. You know, when I mm-hmm. when I come up there to write with somebody, like when the first three years when I got there, you know, of course, I was a learning thing. Sure. And I didn't write with like some big writers, and I'm glad I didn't because I wasn't ready. And it was funny. I called Mike. I go, Mike, I'm so glad I didn't. Write. He goes. He goes, I'm so glad you said that because so many guys don't get they it. They don't get they it. They just got to do some time and get your legs, you know, and get, you know, the throw. But I wrote that song, American May, which has been cut by a bunch of people. And uh, I think that was the song to me that said, okay, I'm, I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. And so did he. So, and, uh, so Were th- you writing more stories at that point then? Um, I don't know. I mean, just like, I mean, there's some sort of like. looking for hooks or for for. for- I'm, I'm a big chorus guy. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. choruses, you know what I mean? But what I learned about in Nashville, like Gary Hannon actually told me this thing. He, he, like he said one time, he goes like, he says like 20 things, right? And he goes, now tell me back. And I'm like, Ugh. he goes, oh. then he goes, now he says the 20 things with the storyline as you're going into a house. And you can almost remember almost all of them because you, you follow the storyline as you're walking into the house. So and that, was, that was, oh, I get it. So that, you know, he taught me that. And um so and a lot of guys I was working with, but like uh, you know, like not that way song. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, you know, it's like uh, three kamikazes, you know, two beers and Patron on ice. I thought you'd go and you know for the record on your birthday party that night. You lost your shoe. You lost your mind. You were dancing on the tables, um, singing redneck woman. You you know, and it's like you can visually, see, visually, yeah. you can see this. I can woman, see myself. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know that and that that. So that was it. And that was it. Song that I thought too, like okay, I'm I'm getting it, you know that kind of stuff. I'm saying that people are getting, they can mm-hmm. see it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so, um, and then like you know, I just been uh, you know, just you just go around and uh, be consistent, as in showing up on time, consistent. Oh, on, it's like a, it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's a business, and, right. and and also too, like you know, if I say hey, I'm gonna give you two hundred dollars for this demo, you had the money, it wasn't like oh, I'm gonna no, here's the money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I was always so like that. And then the other thing is to come with ideas, and which I liked about me being down here for a couple of months before I came up, I just load up with all kinds of like you know hook I you know choruses. So you go to Nashville ideas. prepared right. with I, a yeah. lot of ideas, and yeah. that's and and they like that because like say a lot of times they go in a room they go okay what do you got. I don't know. What do you got? I just got up. I just got up. Yeah, I like, got nothing. I got nothing. Right. But I came and I go like, well, we got this, 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 and this, and that. And they go, oh, I like that one. Let's do that one. So they And they love that because it's like, okay, yeah. we, we're starting with something. You know what I mean? You, you wrote with Casey Weston, our first we guest. We did, yeah. In fact, um, he uh, the uh, song No One's Innocent, which is a funny song about a guy that thinks he's going to take advantage of a woman in a bad situation. Basically, she, he was set up and... She steals everything he owns. Ooh. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's about Casey Weston style. Yeah, isn't that it? is. Yeah, so uh, it was funny, and we and that, that she got her first Nashville cut with a band called Cash Creek. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, so it was good. And it was a you know it's a it's a it's a good feeling when you get to me. If you're like, well, you know, what kind of money are you making? And you know, I made more money on the TV shows and the, and the movies I've been. Yeah, on. you had mm-hmm. uh, songs in Smallville, One Tree Hill, Glory Days, right. And HBO film The Girl Gets Mo. Right, and there's a couple of small other ones stuff like that, like cool. uh, indies and stuff. Do you see see any royalties still? I still see. I still a little see bit. Right? That's I great. still see royalties from Smallville and uh, Winfrey yep. Hill. They wow. still play them in Europe and stuff. Well, I wrote for um, like Finland. Uh, yes, uh, Oprah <laughs> Oprah Winfrey theme. I played oh. drums and wrote a wow. se- segment for uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh, oh wow! Of that I forget the show. Oh, Oprah's. Uh, it's on YouTube. Awesome. But I also wrote for um, the Speed Network. Oh, which nice. Was owned by Fox, and I still get like forty-two cents from Japan. Right. Oh, it's yeah. really weird. Yeah, you get you get these royalties, but it keeps the mailbox money is the most beautiful it's amazing. thing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. When I was first getting it, though, like like these are like three or four thousand dollar checks coming in. Yeah. It's like at every quarter, like my wife is like, "What's in the mail? I got it. Oh, look, it's a BMI check. What's how much? 
oh, it's only a little bit. <laughs> Let me see it. Eh. It's like, because, <laughs> you know, you get a musician with $3,000, you know where you're going. I'm going to Brent's. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> This is Music Studio Live. All right, we are back with Tim McGeary, and we're going to talk about the song. The only thing. The only thing. Yes. <laughs> he just told me the name of it. 
Well, I, I, the uh, the guy, my friend Mike, I told you about the publisher. He put yes. me this guy, Bruce Collins. This guy's had a crazy life, and uh, what had Mike met him? This guy escaped from jail, and somehow ended up in Mike's office. Huh. You know, like yeah, and so Mike, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> yeah, and well, he actually, but he has he. You think I have stories? This guy's got great stories. Oh, my so. Goodness. And um, so um, Mike convinced him to go back, turn himself back in, to finish his time. Really? He, he did. Mike is a pretty cool dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, have, oh, wow. you have no idea. This guy, his his story is unreal. I mean, he used to be a um, work in the, in the circus as a drummer. What? Wait, wait. So, they, 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 of course, they're all friends. And the guy, and one of the um, tightrope brothers fell and got killed. So, so Mike says, like, man, because I'm so sorry. If there's anything I could do, I mean, if I could learn, I could do it. And the guy goes, really? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. You're kidding me. He t- takes him right to the back. They have, like, a two-foot one. They practice and they teach him, you know. They do the thing, you know. Then he takes him up, gets him 100 feet up, and he gets out. And he's like, they have one that goes down, like, on an angle. Yeah. And he goes, okay, take a step out. This, this is the first day, right? <laughs> it's like, and he's like, I don't really want to go. He's like, he goes, do it. So he finally takes a step, and I take another oh. step. Now, once you take two steps out, you ain't, you ain't going backwards. No, you're no. not. So you got to go down, and he goes all the way down. He goes, "Oh, it's no bad." He goes back up, and that night he was in the show. Wow! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That's so great. He, so, so he has all these things of him like walking over waterfalls and you know doing tightrope and stuff. And then he had a thing where he had a stretchy rope, so he, like he falls like on yeah. purpose. Yeah. And you know, people, ah! dude. It's unbelievable. I mean, this guy. Wow. And this is yeah. the music publisher? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh. sounds completely boring compared to all this other stuff. Oh, this guy was also like, you know, when, when uh, Leonard Skinner, he was really close to them. And he, was, mm. he, was, he was their, like, like their tour manager guy. Oh. He's got a funny story. Like, they had, a th- <laughs> they had this backdrop, and it was used to blow away. So they put this huge pipe in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the drummer came off stage and hit it and knocked himself out. <laughs> oh. So the guy's waking up, Mike's over, like, go like, Go ahead, say it again. <laughs> say it again. Oh. <laughs> That'd be Artemis Pyle, I think. Oh my God, I, uh. I forget which I, I forget which one. He just tells the story. It's like so funny, you know. Wow. Like, and uh, but yeah, he's and then when that plane crashed, he was the one person they asked to come into the it was him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he's yeah he's got all kinds of history. But and we become yeah. it was funny because like you know it was like when we first started it was like Ugh, you know but we become really good friends now mm-hmm. you know I mean like you know and um, and uh, yeah he, he's helped me in a lot of ways. There's a lot of sort of politics in Nashville that if you don't know you can get ripped up pretty like you can't oh, yeah. say you can't go like hey I'm a songwriter and they go like mm-hmm. mm, yeah. hit yeah. the road but if they go like what are you doing up here I'm writing some songs oh that, so they have to ask you first that simple you, thing mm-hmm. yeah. you can't tell them first you have to let them ask you and then, they, then you can well, tell them being a musician too I had a guy come up last night and have his oh. friend ask if he could play drums no this happens and, all and the, the guy's time. staring in front of me and I'm like well how come you didn't ask me to play drums? Right. And he was like, uh, it's like, well, they don't really let people sit in here. I'm sorry. Do you yeah. remember, though, when <laughs> yeah. I sat in with you guys at the Bay House? Yeah, My of husband came up yeah, and Hamish. asked yeah, he if did. I could sing with you. That's true. And we let you. You did let me. <laughs> and it was great. Well, I knew you were going to be good for some reason. I don't know. You she didn't was, even see she me. She was I, cute I, and, and she was, was a girl. Super, no, I, I was super was pregnant. pregnant. Oh. Super pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, now I know. She's you got the pregnant excuse. <laughs> she's pregnant. Let her sing. Come on. Even oh, she's bad. Oh man, I guess well, we have to. The let way her he up put here. it, I believe the way he put it was, I know everybody tells you this all the time, yeah, but she actually like, yeah. is good. And when he said it like that, I was like, <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. let's try it. Uh, 
Anyway, I've heard that too. Yeah, exactly. So I have a quick question. Um, And I think a lot of our viewers and listeners Mm -hmm. would probably wonder this too. How exactly do you make money in songwriting? Well, number one, uh, like in Nashville, most of the artists don't write their own songs. Right. You know right. I mean? So they get then, they, they, but they have great songwriters, you know, and that's how they do it. Um, the, I was told that the two guys from that wrote you know, Friends in Low Places, each mm-hmm. guy made eleven million dollars. Every time a song gets played on the radio, you're getting a cha-ching. You know, the writers. T- and uh, mm-hmm. there's a mechanical for every, you know, like on, a, on an album. Like if we, if for every thousand copies, you get like nine cents. You know, for the, hmm. the writer, so if it's two guys, you get four, four and a half cents yeah. each. And then the publishers get but, nine but, cents. But if you do like a million copies, it's 45 grand. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like that, or if it's half that. So the thing is, you can make money in mechanicals, you can take money of that. Also, too, like in TV royalties and licensing, mm-hmm. there's probably about 2,000, 2,500 cuts a year in Nashville. You know, it's, and they're pretty hard to get to. There's a circles that are pretty tight in there. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get mm-hmm. in. But um, there's 8 million licensings. TV, movies, and stuff. Oh, so, yeah. wow. So the thing is, you know, you, and there's ways to do it that way. And you can make good money on that. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, that, but that, um, so you do both, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And put it out there, you know. What do you know about the, the, since the state of selling CDs doesn't exist anymore? It does in certain ways. Like, well, like, in, in, like in house concerts? Concerts. Great. Those mm-hmm. are, you know what I mean? But most people, like, you know, download. I think what happened, and, I, and this sort of makes me sort of mad because we used to be like an album thing. You know, mm-hmm. like people buying albums you know, yeah. because it was like, and what happened is a lot of these uh, record company execs, like they had these bands sound, every song like the sound the same. because mm-hmm. So this way we know it's you. Formulated, yeah. So what happened is the albums got boring. Right. And got to a singles market like it used to be in the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now it's single market again. So, but the, the reality is, is like, you don't really need a record deal. I mean, right. I know, like I was talking to my friend Chad, he goes, yeah, he goes, I know guys that, went platinum and didn't make and they still didn't make any money wow you know what i mean wow, yeah. because it's like they they put the record put so much into it you know what yep. i mean and uh by the time that you they recoup their stuff like how much you get left nothing you know Ugh. that's after a million records you know that's unbelievable i heard a story that ed sheeran before he had his record deal he was putting his own stuff up on uh yeah uh what's their C, cd baby right he hmm. was just you know doing house concerts and and jumping from couch to couch and couch. And, and when he finally got his record deal, he got a manager situation and they looked into his stuff and they checked his CD Baby account and he he had 50 grand in his oh, CD wow. Baby account. That's right. great. From all the people that bought his songs digitally. Right. Interesting. You know, over yeah. the course of like three or four years. Right. I mean, the thing is you can really do it. And like, if, you know, like if you have an interesting video, you've seen these videos, these, you know, these, the kid, that one girl that sings that Elvis Presley song, it's beautiful and it's like real slow and, you know, lots of reverb and everything. Just, you mm-hmm. know, five million hits. I mean, we wrote a. I wrote a song called "Last Pontiac," with uh, my friend Jerry Holhouse, and we, my friend uh, Gio, uh, put a video together with that. And uh, I haven't done anything in it, but it has like, like close to sixty, sixty-five thousand hits already. Wow! You know, and yeah. it's like out of nowhere, and so it's it's called "Last Pontiac." It's about the demise of Pontiac. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it's cool. And we'll check that one out. We've that that one's that's been around national. Everyone sort of loved it, but no one cut it. it was like, mm. oh, okay, you know? yeah. yeah. But it's been around. That's why you did the video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So real quick, will you talk about the house concerts that you've house been doing? House concerts are great. You know, uh, I from Texas to Mississippi, uh, I have one in Treasure Island a couple of weeks. Um, House concerts is a new thing. Concerts are so expensive today; they're, mm-hmm. just, they're pricey. You know, 170 bucks gets you a nosebleed seat. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody said they went to see uh, somebody. It was like 
nine hundred dollars a ticket the Eagles, you know, so per yeah. ticket. So like, you know, two tickets, eighteen hundred dollars part mm. all of a sudden you got you know, who has that kind of money? Yeah. So um so what's happening is like, you know, people that like write their write songs, songwriters, performers, um, we do like a private show in the house. So like what they do is like usually by twenty to thirty, forty friends. Everyone puts like fifteen, twenty bucks in, so it's a cheap you night know, and everyone brings food. And you do like little meet and greet, you play a couple you know, play about an hour, take a little break, you know, then play another hour and people love it. Yeah. Because it's intimate. close, it's yeah. intimate and they really and I love it because when you when you do those shows, they're really listening. Yeah. Absolutely. They're listening to your yeah. stories, they're listening to your songs, they really want to hear what you say. And like and they become friends. I mean, some of them become like really good friends, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. and they you'd be surprised like how they go out of their way for you and stuff. And so it's it's even more like not just a fan, like you've made friends now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and your job's not to sell liquor and make yeah, people dance. Right. Exactly. No, yes. yeah. It's it's just so and the and the thing is at those situations they buy CDs. Yeah. yeah. They sell a lot of CDs and they like that. Interesting. You know I mean? And the thing and also see, I have a thing too, like um for me, a little older, I think that there's a the culture of people like in that forty five to sixty five. If you're sixty five, who'd you grow up with? Deedles, Stones, mm-hmm. the Who, you know, and so their culture is like to have something in hand. Not that they yeah. can't download it. But it's mostly like, hey, I want something I can touch yeah. and feel. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm that way, though. You know? Myself. Yeah, and so I think, and I, and as a lot of kids are going back to, like, things like the Beatles and stuff. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, the gig I had last night, we had a table of 21, 22-year-old girls. Right. Stayed all night, danced that video I showed yeah, you. They're yeah. dancing. They requested um, uh, Summer of 69. Yep. Oh, And funny. they requested uh, Zeppelin. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 21, 22 years old. Because away. going back, I think what's happened is like because it gets, uh, there's been a lot of sterile. But the thing is, too, I'm trying to write songs for, for everybody, but there's a crowd that, like, I mean, who has the most disposable income? 65, 60. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why isn't we writing songs for them? And the record companies are com- totally like, oh, they'll never buy. Uh, Neil Diamond mm-hmm. put out a record. I'm sure no 18 year olds bought it, but mm-hmm. he sold 2 million albums, like, yep. right away. I've thought yeah. the same thing. So Absolutely. the thing is like, and so there's there's a market there, but we just have to yep. like you know have to grab it. And if you write songs, I mean, you know they're probably if you're complaining about mommy and daddy, well the mommy and daddies don't want to hear about you complaining about mommy and daddy, right. you know. Yeah. So you have to write themes that they can relate to. You yeah. know what I mean? And a lot of them are universal. Like like Stardust, I thought the only thing you know these are like sort of relatable things to both um, uh, age groups. But uh, but I think also to people that love music. And the thing is, I think that's where country music got a little more rock. Mm-hmm. And took the place because, you know, classic rock is like, look, "Don't Fear the Reaper," great song, but forty years, forty years of "Don't Fear the Reaper," like, yeah. okay, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, here we go again. And you listen to classic rock, it's like, really? Here's Brown Eyed Girl one more time. All great songs, great performances. I know, but you know, it's like it's they want something new, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's where like that's why country's got that little crossover. And it's got more Americana. In fact. I was told that Americana sold more records in country last year. That's awesome. Interesting. That's, that's yeah. cool. Wow. I believe that actually. Yeah. But look, I mean, you know, look, some of these guys are out, like, and you know, and uh, you, you know, they're they're getting a little more rocking. They're getting a little more Americana. A little yeah. more acoustic, some a little sometimes more, some, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A and le- I less think the electronic. Like Chris Stapleton has gone that way too. A little. Love bit. Chris Stapleton. Yeah. 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 So and that, now, if you listen to Chris Stapleton, he's just, you know, there's like the, he's written a lot of big songs. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a great writer. And you know, great performer like in the Steel Drivers, but he, uh, um, to me, 
that's really not a lot. It's more Americana than country to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's I like agree. rocking a little bit, you know. He's just like, he's got that great, like yep. that growly voice. I love that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I sing with a guy right with a song named Jay Edwards. He's he's like the same kind of thing. He's got this giant voice. It's like you hear him. It's like whoa, cool. It's killer, mm-hmm. you know. And nicest guy ever, you know. For more information on Tim McGeary, visit timmcgeary.com. Yeah. Well, Tim, I have to wrap it up. Okay, thank you it's so much. It's been a pleasure having you here, and I'm, I think we're going to have you on another show. <laughs> yeah, right? There's, there's just so much to you and your, your vibrance and I want more and stories. And, but. Well, thank you so much, man. I've had a, a pleasure. And, you know, it's great playing with great musicians and great people, too. It just, you know, makes it easy. You thanks, know? man. Thank that. you. Okay, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Tim. never seen. Tim's coming up with a groove and she's gonna read these lyrics and make a song out of it. is such a bore. This is not about me. I can't eat cheese anymore. Thank you, thank you. I now have mouth sores. <laughs> Scratching out my scalp hair, dirty dishes everywhere. I opened the pantry when I wanted the fridge. I can't put down the toilet. Meow, <laughs> <laughs> meow. Meow.